Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 313. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2017, Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. Welcome to the first week of September. Summer isn't quite over yet, but we're all well aware of its pending arrival. As someone who manages to turn every trip into a working vacation, I'm excited to bring you my last interview recorded when I spent several days at the magnificent Scenic Place Peonies in Homer, Alaska in late July. One of the many volunteers who came alongside Peony Farmer and my lovely host, Beth Van Sant of Scenic Place Peonies, and floral designer Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore, was Rachel Lord of Alaska Stems. She's today's guest. I first met Rachel in 2014 when I spent several beautiful days in Homer, principally as the keynote speaker for Homer Gardener's Weekend. Rachel donated flowers to be used in the design workshop that I taught for the Homer Garden Club, and she also invited me over for a tour of her flower farm. It turns out that Rachel is unlike most other flower growers in Homer. She has decided that while she loves growing peonies for her design work, there's an opportunity in the market to grow a diverse mix of everything else that a full-service floral designer needs. Annuals, perennials, woody shrubs for foliages, herbs, bulbs, and much, much more. Rachel shared her talents with Beth and Kelly and others involved in decorating Scenic Place Peonies for the Field to Vase Dinner held on July 29th. I'm so glad we had a chance to record this conversation. If you need any encouragement that you can grow beautiful organic cut flowers and serve a marketplace that perhaps isn't as large as you'd like it to be, then listen up. You'll gain insights and inspiration from Rachel's story. Be sure to check out photos of Rachel and her family, her farm, and her flowers at today's show notes for episode 313 at deborahprinzing.com. You'll also find links to Rachel's social places on Facebook and Instagram. Here's a little more about Alaska Stems, excerpted from the company's website. Alaska Stems is a locally owned flower farm and design studio located in Homer, Alaska. Rachel and her husband, Ben Gibson, grow over 40 varieties of cut flowers for sale at local markets and for use in Rachel's natural and elegant designs for weddings and events. Their flowers can be seen at businesses around town, at the Homer Farmer's Market, at weddings and special events, and always on their own table and 
they hope everyone else is as well. Rachel and Ben started selling flowers, vegetables, and herbs in 2011 after adding a large high tunnel to their garden. Their love of flowers was solidified that year when delivering the farm's first bouquets. As they write, there's no denying that fresh local flowers light up not only a room, but the people in the room. This is soul food, and it is brilliant to witness and foster in our community. Since then, we have focused exclusively on growing flowers and floral design work. Alaska Stems is truly a small farm with less than a half acre in production, three high tunnels, and approximately 6,000 square feet of outside raised beds. The garden supports the Lord Gibson family with food as well as their flowers, and it's not unusual to find veggies in Rachel's floral arrangements. The couple believes strongly in local food and local flowers, sustainable growing practices that nurture plants and soil for the long term, and connecting with the community to promote and encourage these things. When Rachel isn't working at STEMS, she can be found filling in at Cook Inlet Keeper, a regional nonprofit organization that works to protect the Cook Inlet and the life it sustains, valuing clean water and healthy salmon for everyone. Rachel also sits on the board of directors for the Homer Farmer's Market. Ben and his family own and operate Small Potatoes, a local sawmill that produces rough-cut lumber and beautiful tongue and groove boards. He sawmills, carpenters, advises, and generally is a fairly reluctant man about town. Their eldest daughter, Sadie, arrived in August of 2013, and her little sister, Linnea, came on the scene in November of 2015. Farming with two little ones is an exercise in patience, joy, love, and commitment, Rachel says. Please enjoy this conversation. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm delighted today to introduce you to Rachel Lord. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Deborah. It's so good to be with you again. Welcome back to Homer. It's great yeah. to have you. Rachel and I met about five years ago when I first visited Homer, Alaska, and she is the owner of Alaska Stems, which is a specialty cut flower farm, right? Yeah, that's correct. Great. Well, so we reconnected, and I wanted to have you on the podcast because you're kind of I don't know, a bit of an anomaly here. You're not a 100% peony grower in Homer, are you? I'm I know. I have I have I think maybe 30 plants of peony plants, which I I don't even know if that counts around <laughs> They're gonna here. They're going to kick you out of the peony club. <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah, I don't even know if I have an application to join it. Um no, I we started my husband and I started farming um, we had our, always grown food and grown at our at our house, and then when actually when the NRCS High Tunnel Program came around and it came to Alaska and it started early on as a fairly um, I think a limited program in northern states mm-hmm. looking to try to improve season extension for farmers, and we learned about this program in Alaska and it seemed like a really neat opportunity, but we knew we didn't want to have a twenty one hundred square foot high tunnel as a hobby with like. Three tomato plants or well, something. Yeah, I mean, that was not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, 2,100 square feet? Yeah, so that was the maximum that the NRCS, that the the, the Natural Resources Conservation Service, mm-hmm. um, would would help fund. And so we wanted, to, we wanted to really maximize on that and take advantage of that opportunity. And so we kind of started thinking, well, what could we do that might be something that was, you know, a, a business opportunity? And um, I really mostly only knew about growing vegetables, mm-hmm. um, but we started finding out more about grow- about cut flowers, mm-hmm. and it seemed like just such a neat opportunity. And um, we early on looked into the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers mm-hmm. and the and joined. Mm-hmm. I think in two thousand nine or ten, and ASCFG just has amazing resources. Mm-hmm. 
And Ben and I both love doing research and learning about stuff. And there are so many varieties of flowers and so many families of flowering plants, you know. And so the the amount of research you can do is is almost endless. <laughs> Go down the rabbit but hole. But there's some great research. You know, there's amazing books. They're amazing. I mean, you had just come out with mm-hmm. Slow Flowers mm-hmm. right around that mm-hmm. time. Um, so it just seemed like this really neat opportunity. And so we decided to kind of head down that path. for lo- But diversified cut flowers for just for local markets. Wow. So we just work um, on the peninsula down here in Homer mostly. So this was, you mentioned 2009. Is that about when you got the, I think, I think 2010 is okay. when we, is when we started growing. Okay. Um, and wow. then we really started kind of taking off in 2011 as far as starting with the farmer's market and starting to do, I think our first wedding was in 2011 or 12. Wow. So did you both have other, and your husband's name is Ben. Yep. Is his last name Lord also? No, he's a uh, Gibson. Ben Gibson. And, um, your partner in crime on this. But yes. Did you both had off farm jobs, right? So Ben's from here and okay. he and his family have a small sawmill, um, small That's potatoes. Right. So they sell um, rough cut and finished lumber um, here in Homer and they've his family's been around for a long time. Wow. And uh, he does some carpentry and stuff on the side and irrigation and farm work and <laughs> keeping my cooler running when possible, <laughs> etc. Um, so he's great for that. He's also has a really nice eye for color and design so he's my he's my check on um, things like that um and i worked for almost nine years for cook and lit keeper which is a regional nonprofit uh organization based out of homer that works for clean water and healthy salmon around south central alaska i think when i met you in 2012 you were still working full-time for that or yeah and then i i we had we started having some kids we have two (laughs) two little girls now so i dropped down to part-time with them and i just this winter left that job wow mostly wow (laughs) so i've left that job to focus on On um, on the business yeah yeah that's correct well uh i love the name alaska stems it makes sense because you're not locking into any particular category of flowers it's just anything with a stem that you can cut, right? Yeah. Um, so how did you get started after joining ASCFG? Did you come up with a, a li- wish list of what you plan to grow? Or were you like crazy and trying to grow everything just to get get some, I don't know, teach yourself what you liked? Yeah, I think I think a lot, a little bit of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and we, we're still doing that. I mean, I think everybody is always doing that. Yeah, so you want to be diversified. Be diversified, um, be willing to try new things. We definitely have things fail. I mean, all the time. But mm-hmm. I really try to let things fail or try things for at least two or three years. And then I have to stop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, zinnias is an example of a flower that grows really great most everywhere. And it's kind of almost a, a weedy flower that children grow. Yeah. Um, and here, at least for us, like it can be really challenging. It's cold here. Our nights are cold. It's We're right on the coast. It's damp. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of problems with gray mold and things like that. And the zinnias have, you know, for a couple of years, I, I would try them and try them and fail and fail. And then I stopped. I said, I can't do it. I'm going to take a break from the zinnias. And that summer was a beautiful, warm, hot, dry summer. And almost every week, my husband would say to me, you know, would have been a really good zinnia year. Wow. Say, I know. I wow. know. So we went back to them. And, wow. you know, but I, I, I increased my spacing. I can't do zinnias on nine inch spacing. So I thought you were mentioning that before we turned the recorder on. So you've kind of devised the, 
the extra steps that you've had to go through just to get a beautiful zinnia. Yeah. You said they have to be indoors, right? They're not. I grow them. I grow them in the high tunnel. Okay. You know, and I mean, like everywhere else, there are microclimates all over. And the interior of Alaska, it's really um, cold in the winter, but it's way warmer, even up in uh, just north of here or yeah. inland from here. But mm-hmm. we are right pretty much in town. We're right at the base of the bluff. So in our microclimate where we are, I, I mean, I could, I'm sh- I could get them to bloom. I actually have an abandoned one on the front porch that's blooming. <laughs> but they're just not going to do as well as yeah. the high tunnel where they're yeah. a little oh, bit warmer, a little bit more protected. They're not getting as wet from the rain. Um, but I also space them a lot uh, wider apart. So there's apart. better circulation between mm-hmm. everyone. Exactly, yeah. What blew my mind is the, the reaction of shoppers at the farmer's market that you said that how they react when they see your zinnias. I've had people just be like, oh, my gosh, what is that? I love it. Wow. And that's one of the things as I'm figuring out what are we going to grow every year that I it's a because we're selling all of our flowers here locally. If it's something that people don't regularly grow or it's a bit of a challenge to grow, it's going to be a lot easier for me to to sell to people. And that's okay. part of I love the farmers market. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's not our main source of income mm-hmm. from the farm, but it's a great source of advertising and marketing. And I love talking to people about flowers. So that's a Saturday market? Saturday and Wednesdays. Oh, really? Yep. Okay, so the Homer Farmer's Market. I actually have heard, every time I come up here, I've heard about it, but I don't think I've ever <gasps> swung by. But yeah. it's Saturdays, right? It's Saturdays from 10 to 3 and uh, Wednesdays from 2 to 5. Okay. Um, I'm actually, I'm on their board of directors. I've been on the board for a number of years now. Um, and we just, the, you know, the high tunnels have expanded. I mean, we have our district here, our, the Homer district has more high tunnels than any other place in the U.S. So per, we have like per capita. No, just, no, like just, straight up. I mean, really? we have over 300 high tunnels. Wow. Um, in, in, the, in the, yeah. in some, and a lot of our farms have, have benefited from them. And then a lot of just home growers, um, and other folks. So huge high tunnel expansion. So that has really allowed a lot of season extension, um, especially for a lot of our produce folks. So we used to do the Wednesday market used to start in July. Okay. And now, um, we started the, the board decided this year to start running the Wednesday markets from the very beginning to the very end. So starting Memorial day weekend, there's something. To There's be- Saturdays and Wednesdays throughout the whole season. It makes advertising a lot easier too. <laughs> oh yeah, and you can train your customers. To yeah. just So where is it? Just in some downtown park, or it's we actually have a lot that um, is is donated for us to use. Wow. Um, and it's a, so we have a permanent spot all season. It's really wonderful, wow. um, and it's right on the way out to the Homer Spit. So it's really conveniently located. Oh, that's so cool. Parking can be a little challenging, but so we're trying to really improve the Wednesday the Wednesday market as well, or get more people going to that because the Saturday market can be a, a zoo. But mm. there's music and there's mm-hmm. kids' activities. and It's kind of the heart of the town then. It's awesome. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, it, the High Tunnel Program really incubated these other m- small micro-market farmers or boutique mm-hmm. farms um, across all categories, but mostly food, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, primarily. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of food, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you one of the few flower farmers who's at, at the market? Yeah. I mean, we have the... Some peony growers will sure. pop in, especially just you know seasonally when we're as we are right now in the in the height of our peony season mm-hmm. here. Um, but 
I want to make sure that this is true. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's a, a just an exclusive Con- flower consistently farm. bringing yep. product. So you said May 31st is when Memorial Day weekend. That's yep. when you go. Okay, so Memorial Day weekend, you what are you bringing to market then? Oh, is that tulips? Sort of, okay, that's the very end of our tulip season. Mm-hmm. So we do. Um, we we had nine thousand bulbs in the ground this year. Um, that's great. And uh, we'll have another. 9,000 that we put in the ground this fall. So we do a lot of tulips in the spring and it's about a, depending on the year, about a mid April to mid May Mm. uh, season for us. So, so that's sort of your first big crop. Yep, It's our first big crop. And then uh, this is, I'm still really challenged and I think we're really going to be looking forward, um, to doing a lot more perennials, Mm -hmm. biannuals, Mm -hmm. um, because we have a big lull and this year was huge between our spring tulips and our summer flowers You'd like annuals or whatever yeah because we have such a we can have like this year we had we had a spring that lasted forever and it was so cold it was so so cold um and you're like just foraging your property trying to figure out what you can take to yeah to we just don't really have that much yeah. to take to market yeah. and so um yeah and just waiting and waiting and waiting and you know from looking at our records our lilies um were a full month wow. behind last year. So, yeah. Interesting. I, I thought you were going to say, now that you've got tulips nailed, you're going to add ranunculus and anemones. But is that possible? So we so I am. We did do ranunculus and anemones. Okay. Waited, waited, waited for them to bloom too. They are really challenging here, though, because our winter is so long. Yeah. And it's 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 really cold. But, so I mean, they they're really kinda, hardy. They just kind of hang out in the soil. Then. They hang out in the soil. They, I don't know that they put... You know, I've tried them a couple of different ways, mm-hmm. and they're not... They're not super hardy. So I did this year, I did, I started them in trays to get some roots on. So I started them in April or March, late, mid-March maybe, and to plant them out in, in early mid-April. Um, I think I tried to give them like five weeks. Uh-huh. But I had them in, I didn't have a great place to have them get going without rotting. So they were in the cooler, they were a little bit too cold, so they started growing but not quite strong enough. At any rate, I've got some ideas to try to improve that next year. I'm really excited about it. I have my order in already. Um, but I've not had a ton of luck with over like planting them in the fall and overwintering them. Um, but tulips you can plant Oh, in the tulips, fall. definitely. Wow. Um, tulips are tough. But you're planting tulip bulbs in the fall, but yep. in the high tunnel. In the high, yeah, we do them all in the high tunnel. Yeah. So we were talking about how awesome your tulips are. Thank you're kind you. of, I'm curious to know what you're growing, what varieties, and how you're selling them. Because mm-hmm. um, it sounds like if you weren't here growing tulips, people in Homer would be having to get them from Washington State or, you know, shipped up. I mean, there yeah. wouldn't be any other farm growing tulips at that at No, that I don't, I, not that I know of, yeah. Yeah. So what, do you grow certain varieties? Or? We grow a ton of different varieties. Mm-hmm. I try to get us a, a big mix to try to stretch our season out as much as mm-hmm. I can. Um I don't grow a lot of the fancy, fun mm-hmm. parrots and stuff. I love them. I try to throw, you know, maybe something in here and there. Yeah. Um, but the we we're trying to move so many of them, and we're just we, going for the straight tulip. Well, and you know, we do a big, and I'm trying to go for a big color variety, mm-hmm. and to, to get a little shape different, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. to get some nice lily flowering ones and get a little sure. this and a little that. But they're so just big and beautiful and beefy and they change as they open and close in your house and the color kind of changes yeah. too even just with kind of your yeah. regular darwin you know these yeah. french tulips are beautiful people must just go nuts and people over them. go nuts over wow. them and so it's not been worth it to me to spend the extra you know shipping is so expensive yeah. to get things here yeah so when i spend the extra money and the extra effort and the extra you know time and heartache on some of the 
fancies. Fancies. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not necessarily getting a higher return, and I'm not really trying to get a higher return. Yeah. I'm trying to get as many beautiful tulips into as many homes as I possibly can. Wow. Um, in this in the spring here, and people yeah. are dying for color. Oh my gosh! So in the spring, before the farmers market opens, how do you sell? Your tulips. Are you selling through other channels? We do at the grocery store. We do Savy More as one of our mm -hmm. grocery stores here in town. So I sell here through Savy More. Um, we sell direct on farm sales. Um, so people we, come to you. So people can come to us and pick them up on our farm. I mean, we don't have a like farm stand or yeah. anything. It's just it's part of our, you know it's part of our home. Yeah. Um, but, but people will come, and I'll say there's bunches in the cooler. You know, you know, and I just I pretty much just do ten dollar bunches, and um, we'll sell them. We'll do little pop up shops yeah. sometimes. Um, I try to have some, we've been starting to try to move some up to Anchorage, um, Dallas Wildy with Bloomsbury Blooms is a friend who's got a fabulous, uh, floristry shop. Right. She does amazing work up in right. Anchorage. I, I just checked out her website. Oh, yeah. She's wonderful. I love Dallas. And so I've, you know, I've, I've said, oh, you're going to Anchorage. Let me fill your car with boxes of tulips. Please drop those off downtown in Anchorage for Bloomsbury Blooms. Um, so you're kind of, um, using the barter system to... Put your get, yeah. tulips on someone yeah. else's car. I love that. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's a, Alaska is a really big state geographically. Yeah. But population wise, we don't have a lot of people. And uh, it's a pretty small state. Um, you know, it can feel yeah. like a really like small community. Well, I think that's what I'm hearing about your relationships with your customers, letting them come over and buy mm -hmm. and from your cooler or they want to see you succeed. So, if you've got a friend driving to Anchorage, they're probably happy to take your tulips up for yeah. for, for them, and you yeah. give them a free bunch or totally. something. Totally, absolutely. That's Just so cool. Some tulips. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun. It's a really, um, you know, and they and the the quality difference is so huge, you know. And our stems are incredibly long. We pull our, you know, we harvest we harvest a whole plant. We pull them by the bulb. We store them with the bulb on, and when we cut them to bunch them, oh. they've got that white. Yeah. You know, the stem white bleaches out yep. from where mm -hmm. it was under the ground. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first years we sold tulips. Somebody said it was in a Two Sisters bakery mm -hmm. downtown. And they, um, somebody said, those weren't, you didn't buy those at the grocery store. Like they knew that those were locally grown tulips because they could see that bleach stem. How interesting! Yeah, I love it. So it's like a it's like a detail that is a dif differential. Yeah, and it was my first year, and I you know I didn't really buy tulips at the grocery store very often yeah. or at all maybe. So I hadn't even really fully appreciated how cool that was. That's neat. But yeah, I mean I can. I love tulips and the, the the squeak and the feel of the, you know, a huge armload of beefy, massive tulips is a really cool thing. I love the terms you're using, the squeak. <laughs> the I know squeak. exactly what you mean. You know mean. what I mean, right? Yeah. Right? So, um, okay, so I got off track when I asked you about ranunculus yeah. and anemones. What are the biennials and perennials that you're going to start trying to fill in between the tulips and lilies? What, what are you thinking about? Like foxgloves and that sort of thing? Uh, I don't really like foxgloves a lot. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm, that's a great question. And mm -hmm. when I just actually... I actually got, um, is it Lisa Z Z Ziegler? Ziegler? Uh -huh. I just got her book, Cool Flowers. Oh, right. So I'm really excited oh. about it. I haven't actually opened it yet. It is July, that but it will, just came in the mail. That will get you through the winter. And I I'm bet. really excited about, about reading it and kind of learning more because we do have our winter is not that it's so cold, right? I mean, I think that um, probably some people in Kansas or some of the, you know, the Midwest is cold. Um, it's cold here, but not that cold. We're I know maritime. sometimes I, I check Homer, and it's so close to Seattle oh, yeah. on the weather map it's so the, often. Yeah. But it's long. Yeah, it's so. So I, I think for for plants, thinking about plants, yeah, we might be a zone. You know, might even be a zone six. Right. But it's such a long winter, and the light is so low, and the period of time that it's cold lasts for such a long time that um, 
desiccation or freeze thaw Mm -hmm. or, you know, I think there are so many things stacked up against a plant to live through the winter um, that I'm not sure the plant gets something started in the some in the fall and overwintering it. I'm so I'm kind of like, I'm going to try doing a little more experimenting with like, I want to toss out bell seeds. Yes. Bells of Ireland. Yes. I want to just throw out some seeds, like maybe in October. Right. And then hopefully, because I've when seen them self-seed in the, I've seen them self-seed, but like to have them actually oh. start growing in April. Right. So that they, you know, are in March when it, it starts getting warmer in there yeah. and things. So. Wow. Yeah. You have to be so inventive and solution oriented. <laughs> yes. Trialing everything. And that's something that, you know, we really love about, about this work because there's not just the growing, you know, there's a the growing part and it's so diverse and you can always be kind of you know, being creative and, and creative problem solving. And, yeah. and then similar and, you know, and it's part of what I've learned. I love in wedding work and design work. Yeah, I was going to ask you how design kind of influenced what you grow because you added design early on, you say. Yeah, and as I've done more, I've found that I really love wedding work. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I do love logistics. I love mm-hmm. problem solving. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a lot of that. And mm-hmm. I love, I love working with brides. I love working um, with, um, with that troubleshooting of trying mm-hmm. to figure out where is that sweet spot between your vision and your budget and mm-hmm. what can we get you. I have started bringing in a lot more flowers from California, mm-hmm. from the Northwest, mm-hmm. but that's part of, it's part of our business ethic is that mm-hmm. I do, um, I do keep what I, what I buy is going to be from, from the U S it's yeah. going to be American grown. Yeah. Um, and I, and I really try hard to not waver on that. So your, at your all. couples know that. Yeah. That's something that I, that I, that I'm very upfront with. So you're kind of, uh, are you trying to kind of be that pebble in the pond where you, you work with as much that you grow yourself first. Mm-hmm. And then if you can't, if you can't, it's just something you don't grow, then you can maybe buy from someone else in Alaska yeah. and then you go to yeah. maybe Washington, then Oregon, California, yep. that kind of thing. Well, and that's, I mean, what I realized early on is that we um, were really, I, I'm really, I really like having a diversified yeah. income, right? Yeah. So that we get, we do some subscription sales. We do some farmer's market sales. We do some grocery sales. Um, I do, a, I don't do much selling to florists uh, pretty much at all. I do, you know, pretty much just a little bit of tulips up to Anchorage and that's yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't grow on that much land. Yeah. And, um and so then I love doing the wedding work. And so I didn't want to essentially hamstring my design ability by only doing what we grow on the farm. Yeah. I really wanted to be able to grow that piece of our pie. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really nice to have an ability to buy in flowers from the lower 48. Yeah. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah. Because then you don't also have this sort of, oh my gosh, that's, you know, that's the same bouquet I saw at the last wedding I went to. I mean, you, you'd be bored with that too. Yeah. And, and again, being such a small space, I think there's a lot of opportunity as our kids get a little older, as like, you know, as I'm further, um, invested exclusively in the farm, um, and the design work to really maximize what's, what we're growing. Yeah. Um, but right now we're kind of in that middle ground yeah. of like, we're like holding on. Um, <laughs> Wait, and your kids are not even, you, your youngest isn't even two and then sh- you have four. Uh, my youngest is, yeah, my youngest is 20 months. Okay. Um, she'll be two in November and the other one will be four next year. Yeah. So we're, I mean, You're, some call it the trenches. Yeah. I love my kids. <laughs> You're kind of, yeah, you but are. But it's a little, I don't know if I've had a full night's sleep in four years. Oh, honey. It's cool. Plus um, you don't sleep anyway in the summer. Jeez. Right. Oh my goodness. Um, 
But so, you know, and what what is going to really work for my brides isn't necessarily going to be the most fun thing to have at the farmer's market. Yeah. And so I really love having fun things at the market, having fun things at the grocery store. Um, and, and I love using fun things in bridal bouquets, too. But it's, you know, I love having the flexibility yeah. to be able to buy yeah. um, elsewhere. So. so are your are your wedding clients primarily getting married in Homer? They're getting married in Homer. Okay. We're, we've thought about, um, as again, as kind of more time frees up um, to try to maybe move up and just have a little bit more availability um, up the road. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to a bride that lives across the bay. Mm. Um, so we've done some weddings across the bay and trying to work a little bit more on um, expanding that geographic scope. But for now, mostly given our time yeah. limitations, we are, we're Homer, Homer mm -hmm. area, mm -hmm. which there are a lot of weddings and this is yeah. a big place to get, it's a fabulous place to get married. It, I mean, who wouldn't want to get married looking at this glacier across this beautiful body of water? I mean, yeah. so there's, there is a destination wedding market here. Absolutely. And then how do people find you? I think primarily right now through social media okay. is really kind of where that biggest push is, is mm -hmm. word of mouth and social media. Mm -hmm. I haven't put um, much other efforts into other marketing. That's worked yeah. out pretty well. Well, like you said, the farmer's market, people see you there yeah. and they know of you. So yep. if, it's, if somebody's a relative you know, of, of a destination couple, they might yep. say, oh, there's this great florist. Yep. Um, are you using the hashtag like Homer wedding flowers or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I use a whole bunch of different uh -huh. hashtags and I'm always kind of like trying to figure out, okay, what is that the is that the right what, hashtag? What to was use? the trigger? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um and I usually try to ask people, you know, how did you hear about us and, and um yeah. and it is it's primarily social media wow. or word of mouth. And so um your what would be like the spectrum of wedding services? Are you doing personals plus reception plus installs? Yeah, we're doing all of it. Wow. We had a super fun wedding two weeks ago um, out down at the Second Star Mansion here in town. It's this big lawn, huge lawn right on the bay, mountains, ocean in the background, super gorgeous, glaciers, fabulous. But they wanted a woodland fantasy. And so we um, we got to, we cut down alder, alder, trees are all over our property and all over my husband's property out at the sawmill. They're just kind of like self-sow. Oh yeah, they're yeah. massive. And so we just, we cut a bunch down and we put them in these giant totes to hydrate them. And then we lugged them down there and we got to just, we just tied them. Mm -hmm. to all of these uh, tent posts, uh -huh. you know, and oh, it was neat. just really, and I had a bunch of, we had foraged <clears throat> moss from the, um, from our land and made this amazing tablescape. Um, and I got to do the most glorious arch. It was just oh. fabulous. Um, relic photography up in Anchorage. Uh, we haven't seen all the pictures yeah. yet. We've seen a few sneak peeks. Ooh, maybe I'm, we'll get a, one or two on, on the show notes for so the podcast. I'm so excited about it. It was, it was just really fun. And it was a really fun, like I said, I love to, um, I love doing weddings. I love working with brides. I love working with, with couples on their flowers. And cool. I shouldn't say bride. I had another super fun wedding earlier this year, and um, the groom was, mm -hmm. he was like, you know, I have an engineering background. Project management is something I know a lot about. That's what this is. <laughs> so he was kind of like dabbling in wedding planning. Yeah. He said, well, Logan, how do you feel about that now? You know, yeah. so day of, and he's kind of 
he built the arch and oh, he cool. built all the tables for the reception. Um, well, it goes back to your creativity of, of finding what works for the, every couple yeah. and, and connecting with them on that. Yep. So how, uh, roughly how many weddings will you do? I mean, is the season pretty short for weddings? Is it just like, it's, you know, we've been, we've been kind of, we've been growing that fairly slowly, mm-hmm. which has worked out really well for our family, you know? So like, so like around maybe 15, 17 weddings. Um, but we, I That's do, a lot. it is a lot, but only a handful of them are big full service weddings. Got it. Got it. I still do a lot of, and I know that there are a lot of florists who, won't mix DIY and florist mm-hmm. design flowers. Mm-hmm. And I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I have seen flowers that I provided frozen in ice cubes yeah. because that fridge wasn't the right, you know, like, so yeah. I, I gave you a bucket of flowers and you froze them, you, froze them. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing that makes your heart sink more, right. or makes you feel so sick. Right. And, um, and people, you know, and, and it, it, people grossly tend to underestimate how much time and effort it takes. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a, there's skill to it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that you practice and you mm-hmm. learn and you work at. Um, so I, and, and that is something w- that we struggle with was trying to balance that, um, that, that I don't want to say issue, but kind of that it, issue. Yeah. Cause I know there are florists that won't do, they won't mix their designs with DIY flowers. But at this point, we still do that. Yeah. And part of it is um, I do want to appreciate that not every couple has thousands of dollars right. to throw out their flowers. Right. But they still want to have flowers there. And I really appreciate that sentiment. You that's, know, I, that's I, sort of your mission anyway, right? Is I want to get, get flowers, flowers from- out there. So, you know, I want people to be appreciating them and enjoying them. So I have put up, I've put together a whole DIY, you know, if you want to buy bulk flowers for me here is kind of a mm-hmm. do-it-yourself sheet on it mm-hmm. um so in other words they would perhaps uh have have you designed the personals yep. that they you'd be the artist it'd be your yep. your designs um they pay appropriately for that but then they could also buy buckets yep. and do their own centerpieces yeah. Yeah, and you probably make sure that the same palette works for. I for don't that. actually. I mean, <laughs> oh. I used to do that, yeah. and I and I don't anymore because the amount of work and effort and heartache in trying to get somebody's cut, like an entire bucket of flowers, I don't know what you're going to do with them. Yeah, and, any, and I know a lot of growers do it, and we just found that at this point our farm's not big enough yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah, so and that's all your profit if you're putting all that extra labor into you know hand selecting their DIY bucket and they're, they're, wait a minute, you're designing it. Yeah. yeah. I, and th- so that wasn't, it was not, so I do in season, seasonal flowers. It is, um, it's a mix of colors. It's whatever you have. It's whatever I have. Um, and I've seen some really great things from that. So people do, yeah. you know, and, and I know that there are, you know, there's like the Pinterest fail boards, mm-hmm. but I do try to have conversations with my brides to understand you know, what is your vision? Is this going to work? I don't consult on it. I don't mm-hmm. give you a stem count or whatever. Right. Um, but like I said, I'm really just trying to be um, s- s- flexible. And I don't yeah. know if I'll be able, I don't know if I'll be able to justify doing that forever. Yeah. Um, but for right now, a, a solid number of our, of our weddings are like, I'm doing your bride, your bridesmaids, your boots, and here's five buckets of flowers and you're going to do and what you will with them. And it's still several hundred dollars of the revenue for your farm. So totally. it's hard to turn that down. It is. So you talked about starting with a 21 square foot, 2100 square foot high tunnel. Yeah. What, what, what is your growing li- uh, capacity now? Or do yep. you have more? You- so we've pretty much, we've a little more than doubled that high tunnel space. So we have two more high tunnels that are a little bit smaller. Um, and then we have outside beds as well. So mm. 
Um, yeah, we, I mean, it's, it's under an acre wow. that we're growing on. It's wow. not a very big and it's very much sloped. We're on a solid hill. Yes. So our two new high tunnels are, or newer high tunnels are terraced. So they're permanent raised beds. Um, okay. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, the, what grows in the field that wouldn't, would, that would do fine out in the field? Well, and not there be in are the some things like, um, uh, syrinth mm-hmm. or honeywort, mm-hmm. you know, which I had originally grown in the high tunnel mm-hmm. because that's everything's a little better, right? Yeah. Generally, that's kind of my train that's, of thought. That's there's your less safe, rain, safer there's less approach. wind, it's warmer, da-da-da. Mm-hmm. So I had it in there. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Meh. And I was on a run in my neighborhood, and I ran by somebody's house, and they had this amazing, which is really cool, because not a lot of people grow syrinth right, or know right. of it. I love it. And these people had a huge, I mean, just bush of it, essentially. And it was amazing. It was so much bigger and thicker and more purple. And that's and so I'm Light gonna bulb. take I gotta take it out of the high tunnel. And I came <laughs> home and you know the next year when we grew it, I I, I only grow it outside now and mm. it's so much more vibrant, um, and incredible. And that's true for all of the brassica, you know. Uh-huh. So anything in the brassicaceae family, uh, ornamental kales, mm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. They want to be out. They do so much better outside. That's so interesting. Yeah. And then when you start. Um, Maybe doing perennials, will some of those be outdoors? And those will probably mostly be outdoors. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, you know, things that are, there are things like, you know, roses and things that, and I'm just not that, I haven't devoted that much time to them. But the, anything that's on the edge that's marginal, the high tunnel, I've found at least in our climate and at our place that the high tunnel only adds so much. Yeah. But we can't, we still can't really overcome the climate you're in? The climate we're in. It's all, you know, our, our, our winters are long, our springs are cold. Um, I was just sitting here thinking, like, you're a damn good grower. Imagine what you would do if you were down in, I don't know, a place like Santa Barbara or something. But then, the, like, whatever insects and crazy other things I'd have to deal with. People talk about, like, Japanese beetles. I don't know. What's oh, that? Oh, yeah. Not that we don't have our issues. We have yeah. plenty of issues. But, um but your, uh, your insects are a little larger, aren't they? Like well, moose or something? Yeah, well, yeah, the moose. The moose are a problem. Every year they bust in. And that's, you know, it's like, I love dogwood. Mm. And man, every year a moose gets through our fence line and just devours our dogwood. Oh. So it's just, you know, it'd be four times the size it is, except it just keeps getting reset every year. It's not dead yet, though, so that's great. <laughs> Maybe it'll just get slightly one step ahead of the moon. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But but you're you're not sitting here feeling sorry for yourself that you have a short growing season. You you just love living in Alaska and you're you're making this work, right? Well, that's you know, I mean, I um I'm on the recently on the city's uh, economic development advisory commission, and there's been we you know there's been some conversation about what is economic success, what's economic development here in Homer and whatnot. Hmm. And and I think it's true for a lot of Alaska where there's a lot of people who are here, and this is very much true for Homer. There are a lot of people are here because they want to live here. um, And then they do what they need to do to make it work. The quality of life here is remarkable. The quality of life is really, um, is really a sticking point for a lot of folks. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and that is very much true for us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's a, there's actually my father-in-law, there was an article on him in the and the Anchorage Daily News, really? you know, it's a kind of a, a community piece on, you know, this barefoot sawmiller down in Homer <laughs> who was like, you know, making a lot of money. Well, you gotta, you kind of got to give up a lot of that. Yeah. A, a, you have to give up a lot to do that. Right. You can't really oh. sit around and chat for two hours, mm-hmm. you know. So if you go by the sawmill, if you go out East End Road to Small Potatoes, you can just go out and chat with those guys for 
a couple hours about this project and maybe you'll weave over to this conversation topic and that. And, you know, and I, I joke with Ben that that's like his, that's like their marketing division, you know, and the <laughs> first time, well, the first time I went out there and he, you know, and Ben kind of was, I was, I was trying to build this kayak and Ben kind of took, you know, almost an hour and toured me about and we're talking about this and that. I was like, Ooh, this boy really likes me. Come to find out that's just how they are with everybody. I wasn't special. You did end up marrying him though. <laughs> I did end up marrying it worked out in the end, but uh, yeah, I just didn't know that that's actually just how they roll out there. Wow. Um, yeah. And oh, it's a really special. nice, and that's a, you know, are, are, are you looking to, we're looking to have a high quality of life we try to keep our expenses as low as we can um, and appreciate everything that we have. And, you know, we're, we're in it, we're in a long game, Yeah, you know, so it's yeah. not a, and it's the same with it, farming is the same thing. Right. You win some, you lose some. And you got to be okay losing some. Because yeah. um, it's not get rich quick. It's not get rich quick. Yeah. Um, but it's a really great lifestyle and it's really sweet. Um, my little brother, mm-hmm. who uh, is not that, he's only two years younger than I am, but he was a federal firefighter. He was a smoke jumper up in Fairbanks. He was a firefighter for. Gosh, maybe 15 years. Mm-hmm. And he decided the itinerant seasonal lifestyle wasn't really working for him. So he moved back to Maine. And he's starting, he started his own little flower farm. Wow. Which is really like warms my heart and I love it. And he calls me and asks about this and that. And it's really fun. Well, um, Maine is only slightly uh, easier to grow in probably than, than yeah. home. Or, or maybe yeah. it's not. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, it seems like there's amazing farmers and I yeah. mean... So many great people, and that's one of the things that we've loved about about being in in this business yeah. is just the community, yeah. the nationwide community. I mean, yeah. the international community yeah. of people growing and sharing. flowers, sharing mm-hmm. and and um, sharing their knowledge and sharing their passion and love, and it's just a really neat. It's just a really neat thing. So is he going to call his business Main Stems? Yeah. Oh, that would have been a great idea. No, I think he's. Um, Swell Farm. Okay. He's in Rockland, Camden area. Oh, good. I'll so, check him out. Yeah, that is so cool. It's really sweet. It's a really, he's a, yeah, just as You first. inspired another flower farmer. It's awesome. Well, and you know, when the first year we grew flowers, um, when the first time we delivered flowers to anyone, and Ben had this experience too, when you walk into a room with flowers, people just light up. Yeah. And that is... Um, that is worth so much. I mean, it's mm-hmm. priceless, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's food for the soul, and mm-hmm. it's really um, it's really a beautiful thing. So yeah. it's and it's one of my long term thoughts is how to help share that beyond just the people who can afford it. Mm-hmm. And I have a um, a friend Emily Garrity who has Twitter Creek Gardens here in Homer, and and she's one of our larger market gardens. She does mm-hmm. um, or market farms. She does food. Uh-huh. She sells food, and it's one of her big questions you know like I don't necessarily want to just be selling food to people who can afford it right who have the who have the income to be able to get this really high quality locally grown fabulous food and I feel the same way you know how can we how can we move beyond just you know I need to make a living I need to put food on the table I need to keep my business right going right over the long term right but I want to share this joy and this you know passion with with people even if they don't have the money to be able to pay the premium dollar so like so find a pro bono project or some something like that yeah something like that or I mean we do have you know it's in our contract with our brides you know if you're if you're a destination if you're not going to be here we tend to try to bring flowers to Haven House which is our women's shelter Mm -hmm. um oh like the the next day after the ceremony yeah exactly and the the brides like that yep yeah yep so that's a great opportunity and we'll bring you know I'll bring tulips if they're 
you know, just extra things. Mm-hmm. I just bring them and, and drop them there. And I so know. you're doing it. To some degree, yeah. yeah. But, like, we just had such a fun flower workshop here, yeah, right? Like, right. it would be really fun to do that with, with other folks or have that be kind of a um, something that's that's really affordable or even free for um, for different folks in town that yeah. might not be able to afford it otherwise. Well, I look forward to hearing how that goes in the future. Thanks, and I know you've got a lot cooking. I, I would love to share photos of you and your farm and your family and your designs uh, at the show notes uh, yeah. for for this episode. Um, and I don't know exactly which episode it's going to be yet, so I'll, <laughs> I'll put that in the re- re- intro. Um, and I just think there's something really, really inspiring by what you're doing and how you've taken this holistic approach to your flowers and made a life out of it. So I'm just glad to share your story with Thanks, the Deborah. Listeners. I appreciate it. I think a lot of people yearn for something like that. And yeah. if you can do it in Homer, then <laughs> you can do which, it. Yeah, you can do it in any zone, I guess. That's the message. <laughs> totally. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. So good to be with you. You too. Thanks again for joining me today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 230,000 times by listeners like you. The month of August was our second highest ever in the history of the Slow Flowers podcast for listener downloads with 11,470 downloads, just 48 downloads shy of March 2017, our highest month to date. So we're doing pretty well. Thanks to each one of you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you value the content you receive each week, I invite you to show your thanks and support the Slow Flowers podcast with a donation. The button can be found on our homepage in the right column. Your contributions will help make it possible to transcribe future episodes of the podcast. And thank you to our family of sponsors, Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality, American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at lfgardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. 
Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Thank you.